three, two, one. We are live. Okay, we're live. Good morning. Um, so, uh, welcome to our first podcast, uh, a new series that me and uh, myself and Chris Edge have uh, set up, something called Natural Bodybuilding Worldwide. Um, so, basically, the setup is we're, we're um, aiming to get on um, some of the top uh, natural pro bodybuilders from around the world uh, talk a little bit about their training, their life, various topics around um, you know bodybuilding and the fitness industry. Um, and I think it's fair to say we're we're starting pretty big uh, for our first massive. One. Um, uh, we'll you know this guy doesn't you know bit cliche doesn't need uh, any introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. Um, so. We're going to let him introduce himself as well. Uh, we, we've got um, Rob Waterhouse with us today, um, live from Australia. Um, he's had, you know, a long history in in natural bodybuilding. Uh, he gained his pro card, uh, I believe, in 2013 um, uh, through the BMBF uh, routes, which um, you know, I don't think anyone can argue is is one of the toughest pro cards to get. Um, you know, through that route. Um, he then went on to become uh, a two-time uh, DFAC lightweight pro um, champion uh, in 2016 and 17. And uh, yeah. Um, so welcome, Rob. How you doing, guys? Well, we're great. Um, well, how you going, as I should say <laughs> over here? Are you throwing so. a few, few shrimps on the barbie over there or what? Exactly. Yeah, exactly that. We're um, we've been a little bit worried about it today, actually, because we thought, where on earth are we going to find good internet connection? Um, the first week we were last week, we were uh, just staying in hotels and stuff, so we've been all right. But we yeah, we've uh, rented ourselves a mystery machine this week, um, which is uh, pretty outdated, <laughs> but it's uh, doing the job. But uh, so we didn't know quite where we'd rock up, but we're all good anyway. So um, I'm glad we could do it anyway. No, great. Thanks Good for um, making the effort and um, talking with us no today. Worries. Can I uh, so, can I uh, just do a little bit of an interruption um, and just yeah. uh, say hello to uh, to those uh, who are watching live now? We've already got people tuning in already, which is great. It's great. Um, yeah. But uh, I just wanted to uh, to thank you guys for coming down today to the studio to uh, to put this on. It's a it's a fantastic thing that you're doing. Um, but I want to encourage those people who are viewing right now to share this podcast out as yeah. much as you can. Press the share button. There's a little share button on the live stream. If you guys want to do that on your phones right now, you can do. I'm going to be doing the same thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, get it shared out. Um, get some comments in there. Send in your questions and any, anything that's uh, relating to the conversation. He's watching it now. He's watching it. He's watching it live. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm brilliant on uh, technology. Turn your volume down, man. It's uh, getting feedback. Um, but, yeah... Uh, uh, that's the main thing that we need to do on these live streams is ensure that we've got uh, uh, people watching. Uh, and if you are watching, if you can share it, that would be awesome. Uh, share it amongst yeah, the, uh, the, the natural bodybuilders, uh, any bodybuilding pages. Um, that would be fantastic. So uh, back over to you guys. Sorry for the interruption. No, nope, thank you very much. So, so we, we, we want to get straight into things. But just just beforehand, um, obviously, we're, we're, we're fortunate to be in such a professional setup today in the Pump Media Studios. Um, and that sort of relied on... Um, you know the kind sponsorship um, of uh, Northern Sports Supplements today. Um, they're a, a new company um, who are. You know, they've, I think they've already got a shop. Um, they're, they're moving into the online um, 
realms in the next few weeks um and they've also offered um a 10 percent discount for our listeners uh once they set up and that will be uh code uh nwb10 so uh yeah, we'll, so we'll, we'll put them. we'll put um you know we'll put a link on the live stream and also on on our instagram page but that's their northern sports supplements so yeah thanks yeah. to those so chris do you want to start off to, uh i guess um so what do we have lined up first um so, so I, I, right I, just give us a bit of your, your i know you've, you've been introduced um tell us about what you're doing at the moment out in australia um so just out in oz um a guy i've worked for for the past almost 15 years now um has gyms all over the uk and all over uh, australia as well um they were they're over in the uk as feel good fitness and over here they're known as voyage fitness clubs um they were all originally feel good fitness but because of some court case they went through, they had to change the name, basically. So it's Voyage Fitness. Um, and myself and Claire, so my other half, um, we've been basically over here for a while, basically building this gym. Well, not so much building it, but um, doing all the marketing and um, membership sales for the club uh, to get it all up on its feet. So we basically came in um, where it was just like being built and we've taken it all the way through so we're now the gym is obviously fully functional up and running and uh, we've had a bit to do with all of that as well so it's been a pretty exciting opportunity for us all when we've we know we've loved it so far hence why we're still here yeah nice one and uh, i've seen some of your um instagram uh posts and stuff and you're like you're living the dream a little bit over there um can you uh yeah well, it's that instant life isn't back? it you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely um I think for me, um, actually going on to the bodybuilding side, um, that's one thing that's massively different over here. That um, Apart from we went to the Arnold Expo, where it felt a little bit more at home. Um, bodybuilding's kind of, I wouldn't say a dying breed out here, but it's it's definitely not, um, how should we say, as... Um, prevalent, I would say as popular and as, yeah, as prominent as it is in the UK. So, you know, any gym you go into... Um, like I've trained in a few of the world's gyms, gold's gyms over here and um, obviously where we've been around and it's a lot more fitnessy based, um, you know, a lot more bikini and physique as opposed to real bodybuilding. Like I've probably the whole time I've been here, if I exclude the Arnold, there was probably about three big guys I've actually seen the whole time over here. So, so that's definitely, definitely something that's quite evident over here which i didn't quite expect and that's you know one thing that i do really miss about the uk to be honest is you know having that you know as you know the clubs and everything that we put on and obviously clients and just general meetups it's uh it's nice to be surrounded by people who obviously are you know of the same mindset it's it's almost like you know people look at you a little bit strange if you're into bodybuilding like why are you into bodybuilding you know they don't it's probably yeah, like going yeah. back it like it was 20 30 years ago i guess so so it's a bit so more a uh, bit more niche like it probably used to be here where if you were a bodybuilder Definitely. you you were in the minority but um yeah see so like at, at, the, at the moment in the uk we've got it's, it's it's more and more popular isn't it and it's becoming more and more accessible to a lot of people and this, you see a lot more people seem to be jumping on stage um maybe yep. a bit sooner than they should. I mean, what's your opinion on that? Um, well, like, 
I'm going to try hard not to go into a tangent on some things because I guess I am a little bit of a purist. But um, I think that anyone who, you know, decides to um, better their health and fitness by, you know, taking up weight training and doing some physical sports, then great. However, um, I think that the, especially like, you know, with the, I think there was even a post on it today. I think Nick Strength and Power put one on about it or the other week about how pretty much anybody can do a men's physique show. Uh, I think Dorian said it on a rx muscle podcast is that you can literally be training for three or four months and you can do a men's physique show where that's not really possible with a bodybuilding um the bodybuilding show so just to explain that i mean at a real amateur level like and guys are doing all right at these shows as well you know literally training for a few months and doing a show so yeah. that wasn't really the case especially when i first started bodybuilding uh, which is you know well over a decade ago now so so that's one thing that is it's definitely a lot more attainable, but um, I kind of don't knock it on some side because I guess for coaching, it's great because you've got a lot more new people coming in who, you know, really don't know much. Um, you know, they are like sort of fish out of water, so so to speak. Um, but on the other side, um, you know, I am a purist in that way. So I will always yeah. be drawn, you know, back to bodybuilding as opposed to without rambling on already um like today they've just introduced that the ifbb are going to be doing introducing the wellness division which is basically like a, yeah, um it's even a, like it's a softer bikini and a, and a bigger lower half that's the whole idea with it so so yeah without rambling on um it's one of those it's, it's, it's not it's not necessarily for me but uh, you know I'm, i quite like um being able to have to coach people and stuff from scratch which is good yeah yeah, yeah. so um i suppose you know, we had a, a bit of a structure to this, but it, it, so, you know, it probably leads on quite well to talk about. Based on that, what what sort of got you into training in the first place? Uh, just just for you know, people listening who don't know, and then after that, what then made you, you know, take bodybuilding more seriously and and actually decide to compete? Yeah. Um... So we were actually introduced to bodybuilding. Um, well, me from a very, very young age, my my dad used to be um, not so much follow bodybuilding, but he was, you know, absolutely fascinated at a young age with the fact that you could go somewhere to build your body by doing weight training. Um, my dad was sort of, uh, you know, a nine stone lad would never really get past that point. Um, quite freakishly strong for his size, um, but he was you know, absolutely fascinated from day one with bodybuilding. He had, uh, you know, a really nice little setup in our garage, you know, where we lived for, you know, where I lived for 20, 30 years of my life. Um, you know, he had all the York plates all on the walls, chin-up bar on the on the ceiling and, um, you know, bench press, easy kill bars, all that kind of stuff. So um, that was always around me when I was a younger, younger lad, shall I say, and, he, you know, he introduced me to my first bodybuilding book, um, which was called Beef It by Robert Kennedy. It's actually a, a brilliant book and a good read if anyone can get hold of a copy. Um, but that was, that was my really my introduction. So that was right before, I guess, you know, when I was maybe – 10 11 and 12 when i really started you know actually probably yeah. starting to do some weights um you know just before i went to school in the mornings things like that um and then i didn't really get into it properly i guess where i followed you know actual bodybuilding as such as the you know, as a sport if you like until i was probably around 14 15 uh, as i was still playing um a really good level of soccer at the time 
so that's why I fell into that that way. Uh, and I happened to be a, a good friend of mine and also another coach, uh, Darren Loxton or Shepard Loxton. Um, an old DSL. We both, yeah, DSL, yeah. Um, we both went, were introduced to bodybuilding from one of our members who I was working for Darren at the time in his gym. And uh, a guy said, you should, you guys should do bodybuilding. And we were kind of both looked at each other and thought, what on earth is he on about? The guys you know, competing in bodybuilding are absolutely gigantic. Like there's no, there's no, there's no chance. Um, and the guy was like, oh no, it's, if you do natural bodybuilding, you know, there's, it's, it's probably a lot more attainable for you guys, you know, and this guy was going to do a show himself. Um, James house, his name was. So just to give him his, uh, his credit where it's due. Yeah. And, uh, we then decided from that point, literally a, a few weeks after him talking to us about this, we went to see a show. We went to see the BMBF Southern championships, uh, where Kerry Napier was guest posing funny enough that year. And uh, literally from that moment we walked into that show, I was absolutely hooked. I was kind of like, oh, 100%, we could do that. Um, so we went off, you know, on our bulking phase, and we then did that show the year after that. So that would have been towards, you know, mid part of the year, and then we did our show in June the next year, so kind of 12 months after that, really. So that was we would have been when I was 21, 22, basically. Wow. And uh, how did that first show go for you? uh went pretty well actually <laughs> we went all the way to scotland uh for our for my first qualifying first show um the only reason was because i wanted to go to ibiza with my mates uh which was a couple of weeks afterwards um so i thought if i could get a, a holiday in you know and not miss out on that stuff so fortunately all the boys pretty much changed their plans and um so i could obviously be a part of it because obviously i wouldn't have been able to go um, that was, I think it was the first qualifier of the year at the time. So I wouldn't have been able to go, uh, to Ibiza, I guess, if I'd, you know, done a later show or not, obviously looked as good. So we got that out of the way. And then I think two weeks afterwards, uh, I went to Ibiza. So, uh, and then obviously ended up doing the finals, but, uh, yeah, but I won my first qualifier anyway. There was three in the class. Uh, one guy who's still around today who competes, um, Gordon Greenhorn. It was against him and another lad. I can't quite remember his name. And that was in the junior category. So I was 22 at the time there. Good Excellent. Yeah. And obviously, um, um, like a lot of the pros that you see, you know, the, the top pros in natural bodybuilding, you've, you've worked for such a long time, come back and back and back before getting that pro card. And that, that seems to be, you know, that's the nice thing, isn't it, about it, in natural bodybuilding, it, it's... It, you know, it, it takes time. Um, you know, you look at yourself, people like Andrew Chappelle, Lou Smith, uh, Mike mm. Perrin. It, it, it's not, you know, it's a, it's a rarity that people come in, in their first couple of seasons and, and get that pro card. It's, it's, it's a, I guess, a lifelong pursuit, isn't it? Um, it is. And I actually came pretty close uh, the year after in 2009 because that year was the 10th year anniversary and they were giving out three pro cards that year. Um, it just happens so to be their 20th anniversary this year, I believe. So um, it's quite funny that's come around like that way. Um, but I came runner-up to Barry Cunliffe in the lightweight class, which was under 72 kilos at the time. Um, and uh, he beat me by one point in that to win the pro card that year. Um, and I will say from, from that point on... Um, uh, 100% I'm glad I didn't turn pro that year because it would have uh, it would have massively hindered me I think um, for how good the guys were when we went to Worlds that year 
we went over to Washington and it was it was a whole different ball game. So um, it probably did, did me the world of good probably not to get it that year. Yeah. So it wasn't meant to be. Was that the same year Mark Claxton got his pro card? No, Mark Claxton was 210, I believe. Um, so 2009, it was Barry to win the lightweights to get the pro card. Uh, Daz Cooper won the overall and also the middleweight division. And the heavyweight was... Sorry if I butcher his name, David Urugbu. Um, he does still compete, I believe, uh, or he's he's definitely still in shape. I've seen him on Instagram, but um, but he's uh, he's not done a BNBF show for a long, long time. Um, I don't know why, um, but yeah, he won the heavyweights there. So there was three pro cards given out. So it could have been, you know, a light, middle, and heavy, and then maybe one other. But it just happened to be that the overall winner was the middleweight. So um, so that's what happened that year. Yeah. So yeah. do you think it worked in your favour then, um, not winning that year? And... Oh, yeah. At the time, I mean, obviously, I was absolutely you know, gutted. I put so much into that prep in 2009. Um, there's some other things I'll probably touch on when we talk about worst and best moments, so I'll leave you for that. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a massive eye-opener, I think, going over to the States. And, obviously, that was when we competed with the um, IFPA at the time. So we didn't have our own federation like the defac yeah. it was obviously where we were mixed and obviously governed by um their drug testing as opposed to ours so like the first thing i believe it was is that the bmbf was 10 years clean and i believe and don't quote me on this but i believe theirs was only five years clean so to be honest it was all height classes the guy who, the guy who won our class in the in in the well, I guess it, I'm not sure what it was height-wise. Was it probably about six, seven stone heavier than I was on stage? Wow. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I remember one of the quotes. Uh, someone, a guy, Addison, asked him and said, "Geez, you know, you're you're a big guy," and he's like, "Oh, I've I've carved up a bit for this show." And guy's response was, "What on small children?" <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it was pretty funny, but yeah, it was a big eye opener. That was, um, the guys were on another level there. So, um, he felt like a, you know, a, a bit of a newbie to be honest. So, yeah. um, it was, I know that all the pros who won pro cards that year came a lot, came away from that show feeling very disheartened to be honest. So, mm. um, you know, there's a lot of work to do, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I guess leading on from that, um, Maybe you <laughs> well, just, just had a blank there. Um, what about if we fast forward to when you when you did get your, you, you know, you finally got your pro card in, in 2013. Yep. Um, did you, obviously, I think, am I right in thinking at your qualifier, you, you, you didn't actually win your class? Correct. Is that yeah. right? But so you, that but was you, a, you then went on to, to you know, obviously win your class at, at, at the finals and then win the overall. Yeah. So did, going into the finals, did, did you feel confident? Did you know, did you feel like it was your year? Um, to be honest, no, because it was, well, yes and no, just to answer that. So just to explain that, that prep that year, I come off um, 2010. Um, so after losing in 2009 or coming second, should I say, um, 
everyone was like, you've got to compete the next year because there's no one else now. So you can win that lightweight title because obviously I'd won the British in 08 as a junior. So I'd obviously had a bit of a taste for the win, so to speak. And um, to come second the year afterwards, after putting such a lot of work in, um, it was like, oh, you've got to compete in 2010. And uh, this guy came out of nowhere. His name was Khaled. He's never competed with the BNBF again, I don't think. Um, and he he was on another level. Like, he was super light, but absolutely peeled to death. Like, the guy was so freaky. And um, after that year, then I was obviously, I came second again in 2010. So I took a two-year off-season from that point. Um, and how should we say that I just decided that I would try and do everything in my power to try and gain as much size as possible um, with my off-season. So when it came round to prep in 2013, I was around about 30 to 35 kilos over stage weight so we're talking i was five five and a half yeah (laughs) so i was uh five and a half stone over um my contest weight of what i actually got down to so um i started my prep in january and the first qualifier i did i think was around july time which was the southern um i had originally planned to do the welsh um but my good friend darren had said like you're never going to be ready this was probably about six weeks out it was like you have to push your qualifier back you know you're 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 nowhere near stage condition um and it was one of them ones is like okay so you just compete when you're ready um and i looked all right at that show to be fair but i got beat by um ali stewart and uh shane raymond who are actually both pros now as well um and to be honest all i was thinking going into that so i was put in the heavyweight class at the qualifier so i was like 80 it was probably like 79 80 kilos because obviously the weights are just split on the day with the bmbf so um coming back from that i think that i probably came down from the qualifier onwards about six pounds or so so not massive and massive amounts but enough to really really tighten up and uh, I I was the second heaviest middleweight by the finals. So I was 76 and Matt Grimshaw was 77, I think. So I was the second one to him. And that's it. All I wanted to do was just win the British that year. Like I, I wasn't even looking at the pro card, to be honest. I just wanted my British title back. Uh, I wanted just to kind of, I guess, to sort of recertify my name, really. So, um you know, people like Shane and things like that, like you look at them on paper and you think, there's no way I'm beating that guy. So can I kind of avoid him if you like and come down? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, the first moment he worked out on stage, I think, you know, 2010, I think it was at the Centrals, I saw him and thought, like, how is this guy not a pro already? You know, but it was just, same again, going back to that point, you know, sometimes it just takes, you know, you have to have everything right on the day. And that was what it was for me that day. You have to have the condition right. You have to be, you know, full and you have to be hard and you can't miss any of those things, especially at British finals level, you know? So, um, so yeah, so I ended up obviously winning my class in the, uh, in the middleweights quite convincing. I think it was Tashala, who's also a pro now who came second. Um, that was very close battle between me and him, I guess, but, um, it was just, I think, you know, I better, you know, probably better shape and just better on the leg. So, um, that sort of took it. He was probably better from the back. And then, um, Obviously, then uh, battling out with Andrew Chappelle in the overall in uh, in the because uh, he'd won the heavyweight, so he'd beaten Shane and Ali in that class, and then um, that was our rematch from 2008 when uh, we had uh, we obviously had the overall, not the overall, sorry, the junior class um, battle against each other as well. So yeah, that kind of just 
I was I was going to leave some questions to the end, but what you when you're talking about how how heavy you got in your off season, um, yeah, we've got a, a question from someone you know, uh, Aaron from, uh, <laughs> from uh, <laughs> the Fellowship of the Gains. He'll uh, he'll like that mention, but um, he he sent a question here to ask like why do you approach your off season the way that you do? You know how much importance do you uh, put behind eating to grow? Um, and obviously the, the its subsequent impact on improve you know in, in making improvements for show after show um yeah so i mean okay yeah you know on, how, how far do you like to push it i mean i think i know the answer to this one but just for the people listening yeah um yeah so <sighs> i think that obviously 2000 and 2010 to 2012 off season there's no doubt that um that I obviously made a huge amount of progress. And a lot of that I contribute to obviously running a low-carb diet to change into a high-carb diet. So just to explain, like in 2010, uh, like my prep would have consisted of, you know, 50 grams of carbs and probably 400 grams of protein. So obviously we probably know a little bit more now. So yeah. it was kind of, um, and I, you know, still managed to get in shape, which was the main thing. But then obviously when I came off that prep, um, as we all know, after a show, you you know you're primed for fat gain. As much as people think that you know they make all this progress at that time, you know your body is simply primed for getting you know basically storing more body fat. So I mean, I probably gained a lot of that weight from that year, especially uh, probably a good three four stone within a few months of competing. Yeah. And then um, to be honest, it was just a case of I am literally going to contribute uh, a year to if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. And um, if this, you know, contributes to more muscle, then that's the way to do it for me. So that was that was how I did it. And that's probably why I got so, so big uh, as yeah. far as so fat, should I say. Um, <laughs> I mean, I went up to about a 38 inch waist, which was absolutely ridiculous <laughs> comparing to that. You know, I compete at probably a 29, 30. So um, there's a hell of a lot, you know, fat to come off at that point. But without rambling on, to really guess that it depends i guess what you're what you're used to and um for example 2013 to 14 um i really tried to keep it keep it uh you know my weight in the off season a lot lower so i decided yeah. that okay you're a pro now you have to treat yourself you know more like a pro so all the pros stay in good shape all that happened was it just made my prep for the 2014 Grand Prix absolutely horrendous. No matter where I came from, body fat-wise, I found the last 14 to 16 pounds was always horrendous to get off. So for me, it was kind of like, well, I didn't really make any progress into 13 to 14. If anything, I went backwards because all I was doing is constantly worrying about what was what I was eating and, and having to lowball calories just to maintain weight. And I was still and I was still going up in weight. I was still getting fatter. So for me, I thought, well, approach to off season, I guess, to where, you know, is, is to kind of do what's necessary to improve for a bodybuilding show. Yeah. I think of the day I ever retire, if I ever retire, um, <laughs> Can't see you know, that then I'll probably, Never. yeah, then it, I'll it, probably change the way that I eat. You know, I won't be so concerned with how many, you know, carbs I can get in in a meal, and you know, I'll probably just kind of eat for more, just kind of like, you know, ticking over as opposed to eating for performance and eating to, you know, to get better. Um, you know, you're going to have to put some calories in, in the body. You're going to have to, you know, crack a few eggs, so to speak. So um, so that's the way I would approach it is kind of, you know, um, yes, measure some, you know, uh, measure a diet out, you know, with your macros and whatnot. But, um, you know, basically eat and not be afraid to, you know, put on yeah. weight because you can always take mm -hmm. it off later. Yeah, so. Okay. 
food for thought, if yeah. you'll uh, excuse the pun. Well, um, I, I know that um, in, in, in my last competitive season, my diet was completely different from previous years. And I think when you, know, when you look yeah. back on, um, we were talking about bodybuilding then to now, I think now yeah. we, we're seeing more people um, coming in harder and leaner um, even the heavyweights now, I think, um, from watching shows in previous years, heavy, yep. heavyweights were always big. They weren't always as lean as you probably would like to have them uh, seen them. But yep. it, it seems now, especially last year, um, people are just coming in that much harder and, and, and leaner than they were previous years. And, and I think that's probably attributable to more muscle, uh, but a better diet in, in that respect. Definitely, um, yeah, definitely, yeah. And it's strange that it's happened like that with the BNBF, actually, isn't it? Because, um, and you can say the same for figure and women's physique. Like, women's physique girls get, like, absolutely peeled to death now, whereas before, it used to be the running joke on the forums, if anyone ever remembers, where it was kind of, I think, Kerry Napier had a, uh, a big pop at kind of saying, how come the figure girls are so much harder than the women's physique and the heavyweight men are always out of shape? It's basically, if you was just tall and a little bit off you were a heavyweight and it was that was a standard of our heavyweights so yeah. yeah as you said now it's you know they're usually going to be the ones i reckon you know winning the pro cards every year now so yeah. um and that competition seems to be hot enough i'm actually quite looking forward to this this competitive season because i know i know a few of the names that are going to be competing yeah. this year and i think it's going to be pretty exciting if they actually do uh, bring the condition that uh, we'd like to see them bring anyway yeah. um but anyway, I'll but um, just just going back again, Rob, to that that 2013 when you when you picked up your pro card. Obviously, um, it leads on to to one of the questions we got, um, and it seems like your your mindset changed quite a bit in certainly from maybe like 2014, 15, getting towards 2016 and 17. Because I remember speaking to you, I think it must have been. 2015 maybe and you were always of the mindset of you know talking to you you were saying oh i'm i'm almost a, a second rate pro i can't hang with these guys um mm -hmm. and then i guess it must have been 2016 when you 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 know you went over to worlds you you got that world title and then your mindset's to do, do you feel like your mindset's changed and you you you're believe in yourself a little bit more yeah definitely um i actually think that the well the turning point was actually so i know you said i spoke to you in 2015 but um doing that show in 2014 for the grand prix um i wouldn't say i half-assed the prep because it didn't i just i think i was just mentally beaten up from 2013 and I completely treated that Grand Prix as, well, you're just going to go and get my feet wet. I'm just going to see what the pro ranks are like and, you know, just see how I go. Because obviously I'd done the, the uh, world, world pros, um, sorry, 2013, I'd done the, the defect as, a, you know, the, the pro going to Miami. And I competed in the heavies and I was in fifth place. So, um, bearing in mind, I think I was, I was probably about, 12 stone four 12 stone five so bearing in mind if we look to where i am now i'm almost 10 pounds lighter than what i was then which is strange to think but that just shows you obviously how much better i maybe got conditioning wise um but the thought process process was that when i actually came out of that show i, 
I looked at photos afterwards and I thought if I'd been in the condition I was in 2013, um, as opposed to where I was in 2014, where would I have placed in that lineup? Um, and I just thought I've probably beaten myself going into that show thinking, well, I'm the new pro and probably the worst one there on paper. So I've got no business really being here in the first year. Um, and I think that it was a really horrible feeling going back, pumping up backstage, looking at everyone like Nathan walked into Nathan Williams, walked into the room and I'd never seen anything like it. I was just like, what on earth? Like, just, I just couldn't stop staring at him. We we're supposed to be pumping up and I just couldn't stop looking at him thought, wow. But then as I said, when we all got the photos back, it was like, okay, well, if I had been absolutely spot on, where, what would I have looked up on that lineup? So I think that that was my, um, cause I obviously then took an off season at that point as well after 14 and decided, okay, well, if you're going to give it a go, you might as well give it a go properly. Like if you're going to come in proper condition, you'll probably look all right up there. So, yeah. I think that was the first turning point, actually, um, was realizing that actually you do belong to be there. You just need to be, you know, you need to be at your best. And then, you know, who knows what will happen. So, yeah. So that, uh, that I guess that answers the question. It, it was actually, uh, funnily enough, from Opio, uh, one of our one of the, the new pros. Uh, oh, yeah. Got his pro cool. card uh, this year. He basically asked, you know, what what changed uh, when you turned pro or did you feel the same? And and I think that answers yeah, his question really. Uh, yeah, believe in yourself and and go into and it. And I think yeah, any giving any new pro advice would be don't do what I did, which was completely think you're just going there to see how you go, because you'll you'll lose every time. Like I'd beaten myself before I even got to the show, you know. Yeah. So um, and he obviously he looks phenomenal. So like if he turns up like he did you know, uh, at Worlds or even at the Britain, like he's going to do well in the pro ranks. Like who knows whether he'll, you know, win the pro show, but he, you know, like I think he could beat people like myself if he's absolutely on the money and I'm off. There's no reason why he can't. So um, not that I will come in off, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's one of them. So, um, so yeah, definitely don't take it as a kind of a, you know, oh, I don't belong here. Definitely uh, do all you can, I think. We've got yeah, uh, some uh, viewer questions and comments, if you want me to read those out to you. Yeah, that, please do. Is yeah, that yeah. okay? Uh, comment from Aaron. Um, <laughs> Tha Tha Thanos beard looking dense, <laughs> he says. Uh, then we've got uh, Adam Smith looking and sounding good, guys. Keep it up. Uh, Dean Nolan in for this and a picture of an ear. <laughs> uh, we've got a question from Dennis uh, Mihov. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk juniors. Uh, Rob, yeah. how do you find the upcoming juniors... And myself, uh, hang on one second, let me just change this camera. So, how do you find uh, the upcoming juniors and myself looking? Are we better than you were, you guys were back in the day? And do you reckon we can challenge you guys in the future if we become pros? I want to see your thoughts. And, and just remember, Rob, Rob missed Dennis off uh, <laughs> off his post, didn't he? About juniors. Oh, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But it's probably because I read it about four times and I had to keep going back in to do the... the the tagging people in so by me i actually didn't forget him but i did forget <laughs> him actually in the, in the final draft so um so to answer the question um yes i think if i guess first of all that the juniors are better of today um probably for a number of reasons i'll try and stay on point with it because it can probably go off on a tangent um mainly i think because now if if i had access to uh people i guess and um 
resources that they do nowadays, I think that I would have been better earlier on. So when I won my first Britain um, as a junior, I mean, my diet, if I pulled it up now, probably most people would laugh at it. You know, it was literally 400 grams plus of protein a day, um, you know, seven to 10 eggs for breakfast, seven to 10 eggs for the evening. Um, You know, and we, we, we cut calories like no tomorrow. And I probably dropped, you know, four stone or so in about 12 to 14 weeks, which was, you know, a very, very quick prep. I should have just done, you know, plenty of cardio, that kind of stuff. However, so I think that they can do things better. So like Dennis, for example, I mean, he's prepped by one of our, you know, good friends, Coach DSL. So um, if I had, you know, someone like Darren when I was younger, I think I would have been a hell of a lot better. So I was in good shape, I guess, just by kind of, um, you know, almost genetically. It was kind of like, yes, I've been mm. weight training for a few years. But so, there, so there's that. Um, my next, so to follow on from that question, what he said, the second part of it is, do we think that will challenge us in years to come? Then, yes, I do think so. But on the same side, I think that a lot of guys who are getting good earlier on, I don't think they'll have that same rate of progression. If you imagine, um, I've always talked about this, but let's say your bottle of water um, to fall to the brim is your genetic sealant, if you like. Um, I think they just reach that quicker. I don't think that you'll have this massive progression and then all of a sudden you just keep adding quality tissue like that all the time. Yeah. Um, mm. As I said, there's a few people who are an exception, people like Nathan Williams, who are, you know, there's, you, you take him out of the scenario because he's just, you know, on insane. a different planet. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I would probably say that. I would probably say that um, they're going to be better earlier on, but, you know, kind of prove me wrong that they will make that same progression. I don't think they will do. Um, you know, I was probably still trying to get everything right up to 2013, 14, and probably are still are today, but do you know what I mean? Like we yeah, were still, yeah. you know, hashing it and guessing that stuff rather than kind of, you know, knowing what's tried and tested. Um, and, and also always... I think, sorry, go on, go on. Please. No, no, it's about you. And I was go just going to say, <laughs> sorry, yeah, I, uh, I was also going to say the, the rest of it as well is that, um, it's also super hard to compare what they look like as well because um i mean like people you take people like uh mushy and myself um you know we were well set uh, set in front of the rest of the juniors in the pack at, you know uh, 2008 um and i don't think that uh the photos that we got from the show do us justice to what they would do today as well so you've got someone yeah. like fivos who's obviously every single time I get Fivos's photos back, I know I'm always, you know, super, super pleased and think, wow, I actually probably look way better than, than what I thought. Mm. Um, so if you've not got that to compare against, it's like trying to compare, you know, Doran Yates to, you know, Phil Heath in this area. Like it's, it's just completely different. Like you can't, you know, unless you're there in person, you can't really tell, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, photos don't really do it justice for sure. Yeah. So um, I'm just conscious of time, so switching gears a little bit because there's a few different topics that we wanted yep. to, to touch on. Sure. And um, we, we've talked a lot about your, your bodybuilding achievements, which are, you know, obviously uh, impressive to say the least. But a lot of people don't know, uh, I guess, and it's probably because you're quite, I guess, humble mm-hmm. with it. Um, and, you, you, you know, you don't share and promote yourself particularly from this aspect but um you're actually you know uh, a very successful uh coach uh for for bodybuilding competitors um and i think there's 
there's different approaches and I'm not going to say what is right and what is wrong, but, you know, a lot of coaches might um, share a lot of the client check-ins, um, I guess big clients up quite a bit. Uh, you maybe take a bit more of a, uh, I guess, a reserve approach. You, you let the client have their successes. You don't, you don't seem to talk a, a great deal about what your clients are doing. You just, you know, you, you work with them and let them have their yeah. success. Um, and I think because yeah. of that, a lot of people uh, uh, will be surprised at the the number of successful clients you you prepped just last year. Um, yeah. I don't know what 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 are you th- is that something that you do consciously um, or I mean what what are your thoughts on that? Um, um, it's a bit of both actually. Um, but if I if I'm perfectly honest, I think the what it all comes down to is that as a coach, I don't feel like I should be rewarded for just basically someone paying for a service. If that makes sense, like. Like if I've helped Chris last year or two years ago now, we talk two years ago, last year, last year. Yeah. It feels like two years ago. (laughs) Wow. Um, Like Chris is the one who's prepping his food, doing his cardio, doing his weight training, just by me telling him how many potatoes to eat type of thing. um, Why should I get the credit for that? Do you know what I mean? Because yes. Okay. I've guided him to do, you know, to follow a recipe, so to speak, and to, you know, be, you know, critical of kind of when you need to maybe speed things up or maybe when to slow things down. And the, uh, the whole formula that I would maybe use with myself, um, you know, kind of works for others. Obviously we coach everyone differently, but so it's kind of like, why should I like, don't get me wrong. Uh, like a thank you on a, a thank you post on Instagram and stuff is great for you know from clients when they feel like you know they've done well and that kind of stuff but you know it's it, it, it's it's that that person who's done the work it's not me like mm. my a client uh, a coach should a coach's success should never outshadow the clients um mm. you know if you know if you get a place in the show that's you who's done that all i've done is kind of guided you and told you how to do it you know so um it's kind of like taking credit for your work do you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. that's think, the way I feel about it. I think that there's, there's also a bit of a danger, isn't there, where if you share too much, that uh, if things go wrong somewhere along the way, that uh, if you're taking credit as a coach, and this is my opinion, um, like it or not, if you're taking credit as a coach for someone's success during a prep and what they're looking like, and then they turn up shit at a, on show day, you've got to then take that, that blame as much as taking the credit for getting them there as well and i think that the, the, yeah. there's a bit of a problem with some some coaches that do that you know and they take too much credit and i think that's like you know kudos to you for for yeah letting your clients um take you know accept take that uh credit themselves um but again that that's a, yeah. that's a reflection on you yeah. um yeah. i just think that's you know. the way it should be i mean how many how many you know top olympic athletes do you know the name of their coach like none, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't name you one. So I mean, I would just think that you know, it's let the if you compete, it's different. You have your time, and you know you're going to want to be rewarded. Um, but when someone else does well, like let them have their moment. Like it's without going off off on one. It's like you know, people who have their competitive year, and then 
whilst everyone else is competing, everyone else is posting up their throwback photos from like, oh, look, when I won last year, like, you know, look at me, like, like let someone have their moment. And I yeah, guess it's yeah. the same with, you know, the coaching side for sure. So if you've done well, you deserve to be, you know, a pat on the back at that time. So, yeah, I suppose yeah. it's a lot of pressure to put on someone as well, isn't it? If you're going into a show and saying, you know, this is mm. my client, look yeah, at how they're yeah. looking at it. It can be a bit, you know, a lot of pressure, particularly if that's their first show. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just, yeah, yeah, like good, just, good, good, yeah, good, good, yeah, 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 thing about already... work hard in silence and make your success, make the noise. I think there's a, there's not enough of that these days. I mean, people talk a good talk, but every other post on Instagram is them fucking training. Yeah. And, you know, and I wonder, I wonder, as I said, it's probably what I'm going to talk about a little bit later on, but, um, you know, the reason behind it, you know, it's like, if I take one guy and he looks pretty good, <clears throat> by me posting on about that all the time, am I doing that for the benefit of that athlete or am I doing that a benefit because I want to grow my coaching business? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, there's, so there's a, that's, that is that. Two the, sides to that. that you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you want as a coach to be able to attract business, I'm sure. Um, but I think, uh, wait till after show day. Um, and, and then and maybe make yeah, a, a post. Definitely. I remember one post that you, you, you put out um, after last year with everybody on it, with all of your clients for that from that year, really. Um, and it was a good post because uh, you didn't just showcase one person. You, 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 it was everyone. Um, and, it was, yeah. and it wasn't, look at what I've done for these people. It was, look what these people have done. You know, and congratulating yeah. them. That's that was what the the, the the post was like. You know, and it wasn't a case of bigging yourself up. And I think that's just something to be admired, really, mm. um, from my perspective, anyway. So, so, so with that, um, bit bit of a bit of a rant. Um, so it probably leads us nicely on to something that we talked about uh, doing, Rob. Um, and it was a sort of bodybuilding room one hundred and one. Um, yeah. What what sort of thing in the bodybuilding and fitness industry would you want to put in in the so-called room 101 yeah and i think that um like i've thought i've thought a lot about this um and there's probably 20 things that i could give you but uh i'll try and i'll try and do it so it's kind of um i guess what's been bugging me recently i guess really so for anyone who doesn't know what bodybuilding well room 101 is it's basically yeah something you just want to get rid of that you don't like um and for me it was um coaches especially um blowing smoke um for personal gain so to explain that um someone who tells their clients they look great all the time just to keep them on board as clients or for to make them feel good about themselves um there's a number of reasons why that's you know not not ideal um and i don't want it to be misrepresented that uh, i don't like to be positive about my clients because i do so if someone sends me something and i'm genuinely oh genuinely i, I yeah <laughs> genuinely impressed um then i'll tell them so but, um, you know, you have to be cons- you know, c- uh, constructive, I guess, is really the thing with it. Um, but by me telling someone that they're great all the time, just because maybe it's coming around to the end of their month where they're supposed to pay. Uh, maybe it's the end of a competitive season. And I want that client to stay on, whatever it might be. But it seems to be happening more and more recently. So people just basically telling how good their clients are um, for the sake of keeping them. Um, yeah. and giving them kind of like 
I wouldn't say made up feedback, but almost bamboozling their clients to try and make them feel there's something there that isn't like, oh, wow, like, oh, your shoulders are so much fuller this week. Oh, it must be these new exercises, blah, blah, blah. There's 101 things that I've heard recently, which has been kind of, you know, uh, how should we say, niggling at me. Um, yeah, yeah. So first of all, so um, if you was to remove the financial part of it, would someone still say the same comments? That's what I'm looking at. Yeah. So for someone like Darren, for example, like, you know, it, it, he's got no interest in any other mentality like it is. Um, but for a coach, um, are you having to sugarcoat things uh, to basically tell people what the truth is? Uh, and that's something that's been coming up a lot for me recently. It's kind of, if someone's 16 weeks out and they're still fat, that's that's the end of it for me. It's like, I'm not going to send you a 45-minute reply on um you know all the good things it's basically like you've still got a lot of work to do that's where we draw the line so it's almost having to um feel like people are actually compromising the way they're coaching um not so much just to be nice but just basically for the benefit of the bank balance as opposed mm-hmm. to actually what the real truth is because what happens is obviously at the end it's only going to end up in tears so um you know uh basically what would happen is someone then obviously then goes and does the show and then realizes they're not as good as they should be yeah. or what their coach has told them to who who's the loser in the end is only the athlete the coach has obviously received all his money and the other guy's paid all that money out and then just to obviously think that he's better than he is so um so that's really my one room 101 i guess um i'm sure that will probably come up and we'll elaborate more on it because i was thinking today there's probably a massive tangent of things that I can go on and on about, but I wanted to try and keep it to the point. So basically, sure, yeah. um, I'm sure there's a, yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. I'm sure there's not giving people um, the, yeah, no, that, that, that's interesting. And it's, you, you know, that I guess that your job as a coach is, is to try and be someone who gives objective feedback. Uh, you're not there to just sort of hold someone's hand and tell them how good they are. Are you, you know, you, yeah, and it's going exactly. to like you say it, it it it's not doing them any favors when you've got to stand up on a stage in your posing trunks if you're you know you you're set up as mm. as being ready you know you're unbeatable uh it, it's I'm that's sure not, I'm, it's not the kindest thing is it to, no. to keep telling them how good they are no, um, and, yeah and as the, i said the athlete just looks like the idiot in the end and you know that's that's what it boils down to you know so, and if they don't do well at um, an actual real bodybuilding contest, then I'm sure they could go to another federation and slip into one of the hundreds of thousands of new categories that they're throwing out there. Um, yeah. You know, but they, also, they don't, they'll fit in somewhere. Point of, yeah. And the thing is, it like, like where it's come up for me recently is like someone then doesn't do well in the show. Um, so they then blame the judging. And they then blame the judging, then that that coach still then keeps that client because they believe like, oh, it's nothing actually we did. It's not my fault. Like, oh, um, it, the judging screwed. So that's yeah. what's done. You know, we've heard it a thousand times, but I guess that's, uh, I said, it's come up for me recently and um, <laughs> it just niggled me to think, well, that's actually what's going on. And even taking on new clients mm. who've been told like, oh, that's the last coach coach I said I worked with. I mean, I'm happy with this and this and this shot. I think I look really good. I'm like, you just don't like yeah. i don't know what pictures you're looking at and which mirror you're looking at but it's it's a way of saying that in a you know a constructive manner without you know um 
shattering that person's feelings. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, honesty goes a long way, I think. So, yeah. so blowing yeah. smoke up a client's arse um, yeah. unnecessarily goes into room, bodybuilding room 101. There we go. Um, yeah. Um, yes yeah okay. blowing smoke yeah yeah next so, one so what about uh sorry did you have more to to, to put in no that's what? good no that's no, good, that's good. No, <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure you have got more <laughs> we, but, uh, we, we could go on forever we'll, uh, but we want to get a couple more man, in but we'll, I'm all right, yeah. we'll maybe switch to something uh a little a little more po- positive i guess if if people think we were ranting there and we'll talk about yeah. your uh best and worst moments in bodybuilding because i think uh, you know initially people probably look at it and say oh obviously you know your best moment is winning the those world titles but i think sometimes it's you know your personal achievements of if you're going through something at a particular time and you got through that 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 you know it it might not necessarily be what people expect to be your best moment and and similarly to that um you know there's there's a lot of ups and downs in bodybuilding and you've you've probably learned from a lot of your um quote worst worst moments in bodybuilding so do you want to share you know maybe what your best and and worst moments were yeah uh well we'll start with the worst because uh it's always a a pretty not so much a funny story but uh um after 2008 um obviously i'd won the won the qualifier and won the british um and I felt quite convincingly like I, like I thought I was, you know, Mr. Big Time when I finished that. And not in, a, not in a cocky way, but I just thought, like, bodybuilding is just for me and I kind of know everything already. So um, I was massively humbled in 2009 when I did my first qualifier of the year. I did the Welsh Championships. And um, Darren, who obviously was my, my boss at the time and obviously friend, and obviously, you know, we were doing uh, prep together. I'm not sure if he competed in 2000. I'm pretty sure he did. Um, and he was saying, like, you're not, you're not ready. You're nowhere near ready. Uh, and I was like, Darren's bitter because, um, because I've won, won a show and, and Darren wasn't won a show yet. So I just know everything um, and didn't want to hear it, basically. So um, we went to the Welsh Championships and um, we came off pre-judging. I think my dad had been filming filming the show on his camera from probably about fifty rows back. Uh, I looked at the um, I looked at the footage while we went out for Nando's in the interval, and I was like, "I've got it! Like I've definitely won! Like I'm by far the biggest guy up there! Like easy." Um, anyway, he came round to the even show. Um, and, you know, I can hear my dad on the camera afterwards, which was <laughs> saying he's got it. He's definitely won. Like, he's definitely won. He's by far the best. And then uh, they called the names out and they said, oh, in fourth place, Robert Waterhouse. And I was absolutely gobsmacked. Like, I thought, what on earth has happened here? They, they've got this wrong. There's some some sort of, you know, judging, uh, you know, um, <laughs> Judging problem, something's something's not right. And I kept looking around for them to say, "Oh no, sorry, we've called the wrong number" or something like that, and it yeah. didn't. So anyway, um, coming back off that show that evening, like I was pretty devastated. To be fair, I was thinking, "I'm just not ready for the Mister Classes." Um, you know, I, I basically still a junior, really. Um, you know, I don't think it's time for me. And Darren had just said, "I said, like, I'm not doing the rest of the year. That's it for me now. I'm quitting." Type of thing. You know, went to bed in a half, and then the day after, I was kind of, um, I went out for a Chinese meal. Um, I took about two mouthfuls out of it and said, 
I can't leave a season like this. Like, I don't deserve this dinner at all. Like, I've done nothing for it. Like, I'm still fat. So, yeah, the reason I lost, obviously, was because I was probably about a stone over stage weight of where I should have been, to be honest. Yeah, right. So um, I went back to Darren, and he was. I was like, look, if I've got to eat vegetables and chicken for the next 10 weeks, um, you know, I just want to be in shape again. I would be And he's like, kind of like, you know, I told you so, but, you know, we it's like, you know, I'll just listen to you, do it, you know, do what we need to do. Uh, and then obviously by the finals for, well, I, compete, I competed two weeks after that and came second to Daz Cooper. And then obviously then dropped the whole new weight class down to about another 10 kilos down for the finals that year. So, um, and then obviously came second to Baz. So that was like a, a big wake up call and kind of like, a, you know, pumping up backstage not a single person is looking at you and you're thinking like there's something wrong here but i don't know what it is and that was a uh, a massive um lesson to myself I, I guess really to um listen to the people around you who obviously have got your best interests at heart and uh, not to think that you kind of just know everything already really so um that was definitely my worst moment that, uh, as far as the best that just that, that's so. all it's also a, a good uh story about the you know the season it's a season it's not a show uh, and that it's not all yep. lost is it because uh, you've you know you've done that a few times haven't you where you know you've maybe not hit your stride for the first show but then uh, and you always say yep. that about you know you're aiming to qualify for the finals your your focus really should be the finals and there's it's still all to play for even if you've maybe not hit your peak for the for the qualifier definitely. Uh, um, I even said this to someone the other day that, you know, um, what real difference does it make if you win a qualifier, even if you win an overall? Like, really, do, do people really remember that the time it comes around to the Britain? Like, oh, this guy won the overall. I mean, it just so happened, you know, good friends of ours and the people, they've won overalls at qualifiers and not placed in the finals. So it doesn't really make a difference, really. Um, you know, as you said, it's all about the Britain. People can be... 100% at a qualifier and get worse by the time they get around to the Brent. Other people can come and get better. So um, I guess the same thing as 2013, you know, you just think, well, I've still got more to give. You know, you end up winning the pro card, but really, as I said, you come third at that qualifier. It was like, you know, some people I, who I've coached have quit after their first qualifier because they don't think they'll do well at the Britain, but they still had yeah. room to improve. So it's just like, you just never know. So you're right, yeah, it's totally, it's, it's really all about the Britain and that's really the only thing that matters at the end of the day, I think. Yeah, so um, what was your favourite moment then in bodybuilding? Uh, so favourite was, I think for me, uh, well, obviously the 2016 Worlds win was great because we didn't actually know until the day before that um, we were going to split to lightweight, heavyweight. Um, so obviously that was like, you know, going into that, it was just like, I'm just going to see how well I do. Uh, it wasn't really about because um, I did fairly well at the Grand Prix. Uh, I think Mark Claxton narrowly beat me in in the Grand Prix that year, and I obviously got a lot better. Probably uh, you know five or six weeks later, so that was a good win. But I think the year after, um, like uh, there wasn't as many in the class. I think the 2016 there was 13 of us, and in the um, 2017 one there was only I think five or six of us. Uh, but the one guy who obviously I who I beat, who was second, was Moji. And um, he is a phenomenal bodybuilder. And I think that, it, for me, it was just like beating a guy of that caliber and doing it, obviously, after I had a pretty 
bad show, not a bad showing, uh, a bad result at the Grand Prix that year as well. So yeah. I never seemed to do that for great at Grand Prix. Um, that was kind of like just knowing that the first time round wasn't a fluke and that um, I had every, you know, business of being up there and beating, like, some of the best guys in the world. Like, he's he's won, you know, numerous overall titles, beating heavyweights. And, you know, um, was he 100% on the day? Probably not. But, you know, he left the door open for me, and that, that's bodybuilding, really. So, um, by far, I think, coming out of that show, um, I remember walking up to the hotel room afterwards and just kind of, like, I was like the happiest of being. I just remember feeling like, like get that down. Yeah. Like have some of that. Like yeah. I was just so happy that I, you know, I managed to get that back again after, uh, you know, um, the sort of season I'd had, you know, into that. So, um, so yeah, that was definitely the, the best moment I think. So definitely. Yeah. I, I, I obviously I, I, I can't comment on, on 16, but I saw in 2017 and, uh, as you say, there was the likes of, not just the lightweight class, but the pro class in general. You yep. had the likes of, yep. you say, Moji, Dave K, Lou, uh, uh, um, Andrew, Siobhan, uh, yeah. Siobhan uh, Sean Wolf. It was absolutely stacked. And then the three yep. of you, Dave, yourself, and I think Sean in the overall, just just yep. mind blowing. Um, and then Cheers. and then finished off with uh, some burger and beer. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was good. It's not. That's good. And, uh, optimal. That's optimal. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that ben, is. That is probably... Ben Wortley was a little bit flushed, I think. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, so. Uh... I'm sure, people will want to know about that. That was. Um... Yeah. Sorry, you talking about you talking about Ben. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah. yeah. One of our friends took her. Uh, thought it was a probiotic and took her. Uh, nice in tablet as we sat down for dinner <laughs> and by about two minutes into the starter he was totally red <laughs> Funny. um right so we'll we'll move on uh, i think we've just come up to the hour mark so we'll we'll, we'll cool. are you all right to go a little bit little bit more rob yeah, or, cool, yeah. yeah? all good yeah. yeah um so before we get into some more questions uh i guess Another thing I wanted to talk about, if if you've not got anything else, oh, Chris, go on, yeah, yeah. was um, I'm sure was, I'll pipe up. Was sort of biggest inspirations in in bodybuilding, and and I know that you know, like a lot of us, you're at the end of the day just a, a bodybuilding geek, um, and uh, you know you you grew up uh, initially watching all the battle for the Olympias, and and uh, you're a big fan of all the old school bodybuilding. So maybe who were, who were some of the the big inspirations for you uh, getting into the sport um, in general, and then also in in the realms of you know when you started following natural bodybuilding a bit more? Um, uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about um, that? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I mean, say the the very first book I picked up was say was that Beef It by Robert Kennedy, and uh, I remember looking through the pictures in that book and thinking like there was a picture i can't remember who i think it would have been al al beckles albert beckles i think it was and it was his uh quad like straightened basically on stage and there was obviously all the striations and feathering it outside of his quad and i thought that's not real like that the muscle doesn't look like that that that's not that's not possible basically and the more i obviously read and looked into it you know this is what some of the guys actually look like on stage and um i think that the the very uh 
the very first magazine I ever picked up was um, it was actually an article in FHM, which was um, of Jay Cutler, and he was hoovering. Uh, he had a Hoover in one hand, and he had a sofa in the other hand, picking oh, it yeah. up. <laughs> and it was this. Uh, it was an article about um, obviously all the stuff that he does, the amount of money he spends on food a year, and it was probably obviously you know a little bit exaggerated just to be number two in the world. And like, I'd never seen like another, like a human body look like that, even in a picture before really. So that was probably the first time I've ever seen that. Uh, and from that moment, I was probably, I was pretty much hooked on Jay Cutler. I, I pretty much watched his DVD. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I probably watched his, no, you're right. I probably watched his DVD every morning from probably 2007 to probably 2010 when I competed. And my mum used to you know, come downstairs and be like, oh, are you watching Jay Cutler have his breakfast again, are you? And <laughs> yeah. like, she'd be like the same joke every morning. But um, that was probably the, yeah, the, the, the guy I guess I followed the most because we didn't really have um, Instagram or social media to follow him on at that point. I think Facebook had only really just come about and it wasn't really like that. Um, just, to interrupt, so, though, yeah, got, so that uh, was... just to interrupt, we've got Jay Cutler on the podcast tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to throw that in there. Excellent. By the way. That's <laughs> yeah. Have you a while? Awesome. That would be. It'd be nice if we get but, a phone um, call from somebody like that. But yeah, Amazing. no. It, I, I, so, I was yeah. the, if you if you asked James, I I was the same. I was a, the the biggest Cutler fanboy. <laughs> uh, I had all, yeah, had all, all the DVDs. Well, no VHSs actually. It was. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. So I actually had DVDs, all the you know Ronnie Coleman, Jay Cutler's, but I just used to watch them, you know, say over and over and over. Like I'd you know, often go to the gym in the morning or afternoon, and I would always play that body part before I went to the gym, you know, to sort of draw inspiration from, basically. But um, so yeah, so I guess that was who I, I guess I followed the most, um, really. And obviously, you know, I always used to buy the MD mag. And watch that, um, and re- read that magazine like every month. I think about the 18th of the month it used to come out. So um, I used to probably you know sit down and read that cover to cover and not go anywhere. I'd just sit in the gym after I'd finished work or something like that and just read that nonstop. Uh, I, I guess that was there was no one really in particular apart from Jay Cutler to be honest, and obviously just Ronnie because it was just like the feats of strength and everything that he was doing. But actual for bodybuilder, I just yeah was mainly just Jay Cutler to be honest. Um, and as I said, with the natural scene, like we didn't really, we didn't really follow anyone to be honest, because it was all kind of pretty new, you know. When mm. I first started competing, like I didn't really know anyone, or I remember seeing pictures of people like Rob Hope and everyone on um on a banner, and being like, "There's no way this guy's a natural, like no chance." Still and get that uh, now, obviously, don't they? you know, the more <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> the more you the more you get into it now, you know, you you suddenly realise and say like, you know, what is achievable. Um, you know, the natural physiques and guys who obviously are very very blessed you know um genetically wise and have all the full package so um but yeah no one that I really took inspiration from apart from you know the, the ifbb bodybuilders i guess really yeah and so just just on that uh putting you on the spot um best natural bodybuilder of all time in that's your, a good in, one in your in your opinion that's a good one you can't say yourself um, Obviously, this is all subjective, and it's it's about your opinion on on who whose physique you prefer the most. Um, so, yeah. So who who who, yeah. Do you, who would that be for you? Um, hmm, that is a tough one. Uh, I'd have to say Doug Miller was definitely up there of on on, um, on my top two. Rob Hope, because obviously he was just an absolute phenomenon. But then obviously I never really never saw Rob Hope in person. 
Mm. Like I've only seen videos of him and I know that he'll be 100%, you know, more impressive in real life. But like 2009, we went and saw Doug Miller pumping up backstage and it was like this, that's not possible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just like the, the proportions and the condition on someone like that was, you know, so he'd have to be at the top two. And I'd even put Nate, uh, Nathan, Williams in there as well to be honest because when you're stood at the back of the stage and Nathan walks out to the front in the first call out and you have to see him in his front relaxed pose and his back is you know halfway across the stage it's kind of like wow like that's not getting beaten so um, I would put him up there as well in my top three so that's my three for you yeah well I I remember uh, backstage yeah myself and Chris were backstage at the the central when he was doing his uh his guest spot this year and you you were there rob uh and it was just mind-blowing to see all of the pros and the judges just looking at him in in awe and that just it just says it all uh yeah he he was just um just unreal and that was that was for a guest spot as well um yeah he he, he looked incredible for that and uh his posing style and everything it just it just shows off his physique in, in the best way um, and yeah. when you look at when you compare his photographs from say now to when he uh, he first hit the scene as a junior, and you can see that the, oh, yeah, the rate crazy. of progression yeah. in that guy is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you and know, I'm, that, I'm a bit older, and obviously, uh, but I, I'd, I'd never seen. You know, it's just ridiculous. I, I, there's no words to describe yeah. it. And that that's one thing to say what? as well, isn't it? That you know, ev- ev- everyone will look at him and say that's uh, you know he's a, a genetic freak, and yes, he is. But that kind of progression takes like dedication, time, hard work, consistency, and you know, yeah. it, it's it's. I think sometimes when people just write him off as oh he's the genetically gifted one is 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 a, a bit harsh really because he's. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's many people working harder than than Nate. Um, I've got a, I've got a good story for you. If we're talking about uh, coaches taking credit, then I'm taking a lot of credit for Nathan's um, development at the <laughs> early age. He used to train. My brother used to train in the gym that Nathan used to work in. Uh, I think it was in Wood Green, and um, Nathan actually contacted me to um, to send him a diet, and I actually sent Nathan one of his first diets, I believe. So uh, it was probably chicken and brown rice every meal, but uh, <laughs> I'm taking the credit. That's something so, uh, uh, <laughs> not many people all know. <laughs> funny, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. So um, maybe I'll put that on my um, on my uh, portfolio for uh, coaching. <laughs> Once coached Nate William. <laughs> so yeah, Brilliant. funny. That's excellent. Right. So um, it, before we've got a few questions from listeners, haven't we? Um, is there anything else specifically you wanted to to? talk about rob before before getting into that um no not really when we say if, we, if you're pushing for time let's just just rattle through the questions i'll try and uh, not to ramble on if you like and uh we'll go from there okay yeah um on, so you, you've nice, got them all listed there mate nice easy one to start off with um favorite cigar oh uh monte cristo number two okay. best question can you can you guess who you uh, <laughs> asked that one that was, uh, it had to be James Poignier, I guess. It wasn't actually. It was Nicole Weeks Boyers. <laughs> was it? Yeah, yeah. She knows you too well. Um, okay, then we've got uh, Martin Lamont, uh, another um, natural bodybuilding competitor. Yep. Um, he's asking what what's your current training split, and and has it changed much over the years? I, I know you you quite like you you've always stuck to a, a you know an old school 
quote bro split split. um yep definitely um i guess we're thinking where i am at the moment um i've probably had the same actual split i guess for for about 10 years i guess and the only reason being was that uh, a train doubts on a monday back on a tuesday um usually arms are off on a Wednesday and then it would usually be chest on a Thursday, legs on a Friday or a Saturday. The only reason I ever did that split that way was because I was always finding too much crossover of soreness with muscle groups if I did it any other way. So if I did chest before I did shoulders, I'd always have a really bad shoulder workout because I'd just be so tight in the pecs. And I've always had a problem with recovery. Like, uh, like if, if I train, you know, chest on a Thursday, um, probably a good four to five days most of the time I'll be sore for. So um, that was one of the biggest things for me, I guess, that um, there was a reason why I've kept it the same for so long. Um, Saying that, when I contest prep, I train twice a day. Uh, I just do small body parts in the mornings. So I do things, I'll say small body parts, but uh, like, for example, on a Monday morning, I'll do hamstrings. Uh, On a Tuesday morning, I'll do calves. Wednesday morning, I'll do abs. And then I'll do hamstrings again on a Thursday morning and then usually arms on a Friday morning. And then all the main body parts in that order I mentioned before in the evenings. Uh, most of that's because of the job I do. We start at 10 in the morning. We finish at 8 at night. So uh, rather than just going home and sitting on the couch in the evenings, I usually like to train. So um, so I find I do less cardio when I do it that way as well. So just basically increase the activity by doing, you know, some things that I'd end up rushing. Um you know, for other parts, like doing hamstrings twice, they're a priority for me, but I tend to rush them if, I do, if I'm doing quads with them. So that's why I do it that way. Yeah, so pretty much the same for 10 years, so stick to what works, basically. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. Years, don't, don't, yeah, don't overcomplicate yeah. things. I think that's a problem these yeah. days, that there's so much overcomplication of, of, of the process that um, that's how, again, just going back a little bit, that's how some coaches yeah. are actually gaining business because they're making it sound more difficult and more complicated than it is. You know, get in the gym, train hard, eat just as hard, and you will, um, yeah. you and will, you will see the benefit of that eventually when you come to do your diet. Yeah. Don't, don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start ranting if I carry on. So I'm gonna stop, and we're yeah. gonna get the next question. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. What, what you might find about me is that if, as we go on and, and that these podcasts go on, that, that I'm, I'm probably more the angry one, the one that gets pissed off more at the, the shit that goes on in, in, in the world. And yeah, you have to rein me in every now and then. Um, but yeah. Um, right. So we've got another one from uh, Jamie Sands. He's a, another natural bodybuilding competitor. I think he, he's actually competing this year, potentially. He's uh, a client of mine as well, actually. Oh, right. There you go. I didn't know yeah. that. Um, yeah. Right. He So basically, he's got two questions. Um, he he was quite interested. I think he, he's a teacher, actually. And he um, basically, he's saying if it wasn't bodybuilding, uh, what other sport do you think you would compete in? And how far do you think you could take that if you dedicated the same time and energy that you, you have to bodybuilding? Wow. Like, if, I guess two, two answers really, if he means, um, like now, like I honestly don't know because, um, if I did it from a young age, like if I didn't go into bodybuilding, then I probably would have stuck with playing football or I would have like, cause I was a national level sprinter when I was a kid as well. Um, 
So I had some good times that, but I never trained for athletics. I literally just rocked up, put some spikes on, and ran the race. So you know, I didn't do any <laughs> technique work. Did you stretch? And, uh, did, did you stretch? And though? I was just good at it. Yeah, yeah. Rob, did you uh, stretch though? What's that? Oh, just stretch. Yeah, too much, probably too much. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's what I would have done, I guess, if I hadn't taken up bodybuilding. But for now, I, I don't even know to be honest. I mean, I guess anything that probably trickles over with um with anything strength related i guess but i mean um like i'm by no means am i i'm i would say i'm like classically gym strong but i'm not kind of like i wouldn't be any good at powerlifting. i may be good at like a, a one inch uh, you know a, a, a one event lift like a like just like a bench competition but i mean um as far as actual sports go like yeah no idea what i would do at this stage yeah. um but yeah fair enough um and then he, he also asks um what is the best piece of advice you could give to any young bodybuilding competitor? And he, he sort of puts that in brackets, um, especially in today's era, era of the big social media presence and, and everything that goes with that. So so basically best advice you could give to a young bodybuilder. Uh, best advice. Wow. Um, ooh, tough question, actually. Um, <clears throat> I think that, only because it came up the other day as well, is that um, you should only listen to one person. If you've got someone who's helping you, a coach, for example, you should only really listen to that one person. The problem is, was that where it's, I guess, what you were just touching on, Chris, about being things being overcomplicated and being um, there's so much, you know, so much information uh, information out there that it's kind of a little bit of a, um, you know, what do you be- what do you believe to do? Yeah. So it's all very well me saying to someone follow a high carb diet, but you know the other coach says follow a you know a, a high fat diet. But we all know those all these all these things work. But you're better off just to stick with one planet, one person, and only have that one person's input, and you follow it to a T, as opposed to you know trying to take um, little snippets of information of everybody else, and then that always just you know too many cooks spoil the broth type of thing. Mm. So just listen to one person and 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 actually listen i guess and actually follow what they're telling you to do not just 60 percent of the time what, what, yeah <laughs> i was just gonna say 100 percent, 100 percent. i think cool. we're throwing a couple of little private jokes in here i think but some people who, <laughs> some, some people who listen or get them um and i haven't really got the time to explain them so sorry if you don't get them so um i, I don't think i've got any more questions there if we got if, chris has been any more asked on the if, if we maybe take a a, a couple more um, and then we've got the uh, we've the, got a few uh, the big iron monkey giveaway after that. We've got a few interactions um, to uh, to put on here. If just bear with me a second, uh, just find them. So um, I mean, we've had quite a few people watching uh, on the show, which is great. Um, let's have a look. Um, oh, Dennis Mihov has responded to your answer of his question, uh, saying, "Pleased with that, Rob. Thanks for your thoughts. So that's nice. Nice bit of interaction. Yeah, thanks for that." Um, uh, Zoe loves having you as a coach. Uh, and Vicky McCann and Guy Addison, uh, how does uh, Dalmore fit into your diet and how many times a week do you recommend taking it? What's Dalmore? I don't even know what that is. What is that? What was it? Is it Dalmore, is that... Is that Dalmore? 
Oh, Dalmore. Sorry, is it, whiskey. Is it whiskey? I thought it was whiskey. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Now I understand. I didn't hear what you said. I thought you said Dunbar. I was like, I don't even know what that is. Is it a Scottish joke? You must take it with anabolic cigars. Yeah. Well, yeah, whiskey and cigars are definitely anabolic. So, yeah, at least once a week when I'm at home anyway, not over here. So Fair enough. And the rest of it is is viewers giving us thumbs up. Uh, again, quite a lot of interaction on our first uh, first show. So uh, yeah, so we're really great. pleased with that. Thanks Brilliant. for everyone yeah, who's no uh, yeah. tuned in. And Tom, do you remember um, what I sent you the day from Delroy? I think he wanted me to answer that one. I can't remember what it was. Uh, um, hang on. If you've got it there, yeah, sorry, I should have. Um... So anyway, whilst Tom's trying to find that, I'll just explain that um, just before we finish, we're going to have uh, names pulled out of a hat. Uh, good friends over at Iron Monkey uh, Trunks have kindly donated a pair of trunks uh, for one lucky winner. Um, so I've, I've got the names in front of me. They've been there. I'm going to bang them in Chris's hat. I think if he'll let us use it, he's, if he's got something, or he's got something we can use. Okay. So, that, so um, whilst we're doing that, I've, I'll quickly bash through this. That um, so. Del Delroy, uh, another um, natural bodybuilding competitor, asks uh, Rob. Um, how, as a coach, how do you prioritize an athlete um, in your, I guess, stable uh, without actually showing any uh, favoritism? Uh, and is it something you're always mindful of? Um, I think that, you know, naturally uh, with coaches and coaching people and just people in general, like you're naturally drawn to others, you know, some people more than others, I guess. Um, I wouldn't say like we really prioritize anyone. I guess it's just people that maybe you get on well with better than others. Um, so sorry, just to answer that. Just read that question again. Yeah, sorry, um, if you got it. So yeah, sorry, I should have kept that on. Um, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> Saint. So how, as a coach, how do you how do you prioritize an athlete within your stable without showing favoritism? Um, and is it something you always have to stay mindful of? Um, I wouldn't say you have to stay mindful of it because I think that um, the only way I would usually, I guess, show favoritism if someone's doing well. Mm. And if they're doing well, then they deserve to get the praise. Like, um, that's, I guess, something that goes, you know, when we have people come down for the, you know, for the for the posing club, um, people often think, you know, what, what do you think of my physique? And um, I guess it, it's hard to be, um, you know, it's hard to lie to people. It's hard to be, you know, I guess, you know, um, nice for the sake of being nice because they're obviously wanting to know your proper opinion i guess it comes back to the blowing smoke thing um but like you know without i guess giving any favoritism like you know i was saying to chris the other day how much you know enjoyed doing his prep last time around because i'm sure chris won't mind me saying but like his first check-in pictures that he sent like i was thinking like what on earth are we gonna do with this <laughs> do you know what i mean like i think it's I think his beard was his best asset. Thank you very much. Um, and then just to see like Chris transform over, you know, that course of that prep and then not only to doing well, but, you know, to being compared at a British level, it was like, you know, that's, um, he's, he's going to get shown some favoritism because like he's worked his ass off. So, you know, he deserves my time. Um, people who maybe half ass things or um, don't follow what you say, like then, you know, they don't, I guess they don't get the respect and it works both ways. So, um, so the answer to the question, I obviously have got no problems whatsoever showing favoritism, but you'll only get it if you deserve it, I guess, really. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks. 
Right. Thanks for that. Um, that that's that's brilliant. Obviously, <laughs> yes, uh, you know, really good chat with Rob, and we could we could all you know we could easily go on all day um, uh, around with topics. Yeah, um, good. But uh, we'll we'll let you uh, let you escape to the uh, the mystery machine. Uh, but thanks Very a lot. Good. For, Thanks a lot, Rob, for uh, coming on. No Obviously, worries. as I yeah. say, ma- massive, us. massive uh, guest for for the first and episode. It, it and truly is natural bodybuilding worldwide because you are on the other side of the planet. So, <laughs> Indeed, I think, yeah. I think we're, yeah. we're living up to the hype. And uh, give our love to Claire. Um, hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Australia. We can't wait to have you back and get a few sessions in. Um, cool. Yeah, middle of it. June I'll be back, so uh, we'll be sure to see it and catch up with everyone. So. Be Excellent. Good. Okay, and we'll look forward to the uh, the bodybuilding scene uh, uh, season um, for this year. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Cheers, Rob. Uh, um, we'll see you later. Thanks, guys. So take it easy. Cheers, mate. Cheers. So um, I think if we're still running. Just before we go, am I taking just, this? Just uh, yeah, pull a name yeah. out of there. So this is the winner of the uh, Iron the the uh, the kind giveaway from Iron Monkey, uh, who produced. And the, if you can't read it, I will. Uh, trunks. Right, so um, he'll be pleased about this because uh, I think he's got plenty more competitions uh, upcoming. It's Nick Adams. Congratulations, um, Nick! So he's he's won the uh, the Iron Monkey giveaway. So uh, uh, if you if you send over a, a message to the the Natural Bodybuilding Worldwide Instagram page, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll sort out with Iron Monkey. Um, yeah, uh, I'll send a message to them today. That you are the uh, the lucky winner, and uh, they'll expect your message. So um, okay, so we'll uh, we'll wrap up there. Thanks a lot, everyone, for uh, you know yep. tuning in and uh, watch this space for um, for more to follow. Just a quick one then before we go. Thanks again to Northern Sports Supplements, uh, Chris here at Pump Media. Um, thanks to Rob for joining us and. Um, Thanks to us for making this happen. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to, uh, again, jump in there, guys. Uh, great first po- first podcast. Um, very nervous doing it live, obviously, uh, and a Skype guest live. Um, it's, it's something that we don't usually do, but um, it's it's worked, and it's worked a treat. We've had plenty of interaction online. One thing that we need to uh, really express is um, uh, people need to share this content out. Make yeah, sure you please, share it on uh, social media. Please keep media. sharing it. Um, the, uh, the social media algorithms are at play at the moment, and we need people's interaction action and shares that's the main thing um, if you can share this uh, tag people in it who might be interested in watching it that's the main thing to ramp up numbers um, and uh, and get your comments on there as well uh, and we'll see you for the next show thank yeah. you very much okay, guys. and just to say we will uh, we will also be putting it on on youtube platform as well um, yeah, as well as, as, as the we facebook um, cool thanks thank a you lot. very much okay guys see you again soon see you now cheers